Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a term, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Monday. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It must be that uh, <laughs> David Bowie song. Jiggy Blake Guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey. I'm, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to the. Thursday edition of the world famous Cheeky Jaguar radio broadcast. Coast to coast, border to border, tune in, iTunes, radio loyalty, Red Nation Rising Radio today, KFRK in Denver, and 50 plus AMFM stations. World Radio Network. Check out our website, JiggyJaguar.com. 80 Shades of Black Politics, another perspective by Wilmer J. Leon III. He's a PhD. He'll be with us here in a few moments. We'll also talk to Dan Perkins, Don Mazzella. It is the Thursday edition. We're going to kick things off here uh, with a, a special topic from Don, but let's join the boys and girls on Skype. And uh, I think we've got Dan Perkins, our best-selling author, Don Mazzella, from uh, uh, all over the place. He's our newspaper man. And, and uh, of course, Wilmer Leon, he is a, uh author. He is the author of 80 Shades of Black Politics. Another perspective, but uh, let's start with Don Mazzella. You've got some late-breaking news here you want to do a chat about. Let's talk about that, and then we'll get into uh, the, the, the political part of the day. Well, I, um, to Im- imitate uh, Dan, uh, there's some background uh, needed. About six months ago, I was uh, privileged to, be, to, to have a deep backgrounder um, from our armed forces at a, one of our uh, military colleges. And uh, at that briefing, they, uh, the, the talk was about what um, the Kurds could do if properly armed. And it was a general consensus among the uh, general officers at the, uh, that conference that uh, uh, perhaps uh, the uh, most uh, effective Middle East force outside of the Israelis were the Kurds. Um, but at that time, the Obama administration was preventing the, the uh, military establishment from uh, providing the Kurds with uh, uh, any sort of real military help. They were being given it, but uh, very sparingly and usually through, via Israel. Well, today, uh, President, uh, much to the displeasure uh, pleasure of the Turks, the ISIS, and just about everybody else, uh, President uh, 
Trump announced that he was going to start offering military uh, support to the Kurds. Uh, outside of the Israelis, and possibly the Turkish army, the most effective fighting force in the Middle East is are the Kurds. Uh, they've managed to do that on the uh, shoestring. They have a lot of French equipment. But the end result is going to be that um, uh, if IQ was here, I'm sure he'd be jumping up with, uh, down with glee. But uh, it's the, all designed to enable the Kurds to create, uh, if not an independent country, a buffer area uh, to, to uh, uh, hold the ISIS in check. It is probably the boldest move, and I, if I dare say, and uh, I'm sure we'll get a uh, uh, kickback, but uh, I think it's the most important decision the Trump administration has done. Uh, it's, it goes against the State Department, goes against everything except the, the military establishment who really believe uh, in, the, in the ability of the Kurds to, to be a, a knockout force in the Middle East. And they, uh, it has the wholehearted support of the Israeli government. I think uh, uh, it probably will not get the play it should, but, but it is an extremely important development in the fight against ISIS. Uh, Dr. Leon, give me your thoughts on this, and then we'll go to Dan Perkins. Well, uh, this is not. Uh, this is something that I haven't really had the opportunity to study. One of the one of the big issues that I that I do know uh, about this is again the what this does to to Turkey and and Turkey is of course afraid that an armed Kurdish group would turn uh, on Turkey to establish its own uh, nation state. It's also important, I think, to be sure that we're not stepping into a parallel similar to the mess that we now have in uh, in Libya, in in terms of arming arming the groups in northern Libya, uh, and, and uh, well, uh, doing away with Gaddafi, creating the space in Libya for the radicals in the north to operate freely, and now you've got a much, much, much bigger mess on your hand and if Israel is backing the play then that also gives me uh, reason for pause as well Dan why Perkins. would Israel uh, oh, okay, backing Don. the play, go, go play ahead, be, be, give you pause last I looked they were our allies because well because I don't I don't I have not seen that Israel has been operating in the best interest of anybody but Israel and much to the expense of the Palestinians, and and, and so uh, well, then that's where you and I have to part ways because I can't support any country. In fact, what Israel is doing is validating the U.S. Arms Export Control Act, and what the United States is doing is violating its own law by providing Israel money to oppress the Palestinians. And under no sense or no circumstance can I support that. Well, but. Um uh, that's the assumption that the Palestinians are um, a, a national force and something other than a terrorist organization masquerading as, as well, a except that, Well, except that we have nothing but history to dispel that foolishness. And if anybody is operating as a uh, terrorist force, 
it would have to be the, the, the Zionist government in Israel. Well, that, uh, that's the most, uh, one of the uh, most interesting comments I've heard on this program in a long time. I've, I've covered... Well, then, the, uh, then this program should get more interesting. Well, I think it just did. <laughs> I've, I've covered, uh, let me see, f four Arab-Israeli conflicts. And in all of them, I've, I've yet to see where the, quote, Zionists... Are, have done anything but uh, defend uh, their country uh, against a mass force attempting to exterminate it. Of course, I've been, um, uh, how should we say, uh, uh, brainwashed since I'm a young kid about this. I've never been a particular friend of Israel. But uh, if, you, if in the Middle East you, you look, look at the world, and it's funny, we suddenly switch to Israel when the real story here is the Kurds. Which are uh, as as you uh, uh, Muslim oriented. They they have uh, they have been uh, an ethnic group much like the Israelis, uh, unlike the Palestinians, which haven't been uh, a real real country ever, or have a uh, they are a mixed people at, at best. And here here we have the Kurds who have d demonstrated their ability to govern, to fight. And to throw back the uh, ISIS at, uh, at many different places. Yes, we anger Turkey, but so what? The the strong man that's in charge in Turkey right now is not a friend of the United States. I don't think he's a friend of anybody, but that's a different story. Here, here we. The, the important thing is that the United States has, for the first time in eight years, put its weight behind uh, someone. In, in the Middle East, capable of upsetting the balance of power and making it possible uh, for peace to reign. The only way peace is going to reign in that area is when the various uh, uh, factions, I don't call them countries anymore, have uh, so obliterated each other that the, that the only solution is peace. And the Kurds are the ones, given the right ar uh, armament, who can do it. If, if you look at the uh, Kurdish, um, uh, they're not even militia anymore. They're a regular fighting force. And if the and again, all I have to go on is this briefing, where we, we went into into depth about the Kurdish uh, armed forces. Uh, the only thing they lack is air power. And if uh, uh, again, it's uh, somewhat unclear in the, in today's announcement how much air power is going to be de uh, devoted to them. But if you add air, air power to their ability to to uh, and their armor to knock out armor and their armor, then we're lo we're looking at a whole new force in the Middle East that could drive the, uh, a simple fact. All they had to do do is drive south, and they split ISIS in half. And they do that alone. Hook up with the, uh, to use your expression, the Zionist uh, Israelis. Uh, it suddenly makes uh, ruling uh, uh, ISIS less of a, uh, a threat uh, in the Middle East, and maybe relieves the pressure on Saudi Arabia, and maybe turns the pressure on uh, Iran. Because you could rest assured, one, uh, the people in Iran are not happy with that decision. 
Well, uh, Dan Perkins, finish us off on this topic. I want to get to the, the doctor's book, but uh, uh, Dan, go ahead and finish up on this topic, and then we're going to go to the, the, the Paul. Well, Paul I, I find it, uh, it was fascinating listening to the dialogue between the two of them. Uh, on being more sure, and we're having uh, some we're we're we're, ha- we're having some trouble with your Skype, Dan. Dan, Dan can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? Now? I can hear you. Can you hear me? We're having a we're going to try to reconnect with Dan here. Uh, let, let, let's do this. Um, let, 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 let's get into the topic here about about the book, Eighty Shades of Black, Politics, Another Perspective. Wilmer J. Leon III is with us today. He's a Ph.D. Um, tell us a little bit about the book, my friend, while I try to reconnect with Dan Perkins. Sure. The book, uh, Politics, Another Perspective, uh, Commentary and Analysis on Race, War, Ethics, and the American Political Landscape in the Age of Obama, is a collection of 80 op-eds that have been published since 2006 in the four categories just listed. The uh, other perspective is a historical perspective. One of the big problems that I see with a lot of analysis that takes place in mainstream American news is current events are going on. Well, Linda Johnson was the president. The, the Democratic Party had control of Congress for 40 years. There you go again. There you go again, trying to make this into a binary Republican and Democratic conversation. I did not say that. I'm I never said I'm that. Looking, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the facts of what happened, who was in power and charge of the government when all these to things happened. To what point? Then, then to what point? What's your point? My point is that you seem to be talking more about the conservative Republicans from Nixon forward, yet you, exactly. you, don't, talk, because you, that, don't, see, you don't seem to be talking about any accountability of the Democratic Party during that same period of time. Because I was talking about the current trend. See, you were, you were probably offline because you weren't able to hear the whole conversation. I was talking about the trend. And of the, the, I was answering a specific question that I was asked about Donald Trump. And what I said was that what we see now in the election of Donald Trump is a culmination of conservative politics, starting with Richard Nixon, some would say Barry Goldwater, that was the answer to the question I was providing. I was not asked to give a history of Democratic and Republican politics and the impact that they have had on the African-American community since the beginning of time. That was not the question I was asked. You know, uh, Dan, I'd, I'd like to jump in. I'm, I'm listening. And uh, 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 Dr. Liana is saying, in effect, that the the, the the anti-poverty money, all the money we've spent uh, uh, since 1964, is, is essentially wasted. Am I correct in that? I didn't say that. You you better run and check the tape. I didn't say that. Well, what, no, what he what he said, Don, was that it wasn't designed to cure the poverty. Well, that's... Isn't that what you said? 
That's yeah, it. I said I, I, I said that the I said that the poverty I said the war on poverty was never designed to eradicate the structural causes of poverty in this country. I what did not say that what, all what of the money the was wasted. I didn't say that. What, so is, what is Go ahead, Don. What is the structural cause of poverty in this country? In your, in the, the, in your mind. Oh, the, the, well, the, the, fun, the most fundamental element of the structural causes of poverty in this country would have to be racism. Because racism is, oh is, my is the fundamental element of, 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 uh, of the issues in this country. The country was founded on racism, and the country profited from racism, and the country continues to engage in it. Uh, I'm, uh, Jiggy, I have to uh, uh, sign off. Uh, th 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 this discussion to me, uh, whenever I hear that, I, I really have to go uh, to the bathroom. Oh, you haven't heard of the you haven't heard of the three fifths compromise. You haven't heard of the fugitive slave provision. You haven't heard of the fact that slavery was allowed to exist in this country for, I mean, the importation of slaves was allowed to exist in this country for 20 years after the country was founded. Uh, you, 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 you're not aware of any of that? I hardly think that's the basis upon which this country was founded or has grown. Well, that's the, uh, isn't, isn't the Constitution the founding document of the country? Correct. Well, it isn't, but, and aren't those provisions but, but, uh, written I, into the founding document of the country? And it's also with a provision with the, that expired uh, sometime in the early nineteenth uh, century. The, pro but the, the provision the, expired, but that does I not mean that the mindset and the ideology behind it went expired along with it. Um, I'm just going to say this. Whenever okay. I hear that statement, I want to go to the bathroom and puke because it's not true. <laughs> it it uh, hasn't happened. Well, we are a nation of immigrants. God bless you, sir. Mm. God bless you. Have, have ignorance, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Enjoy yourself. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> If well, you, that's 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 Don Mazzella. We've, we've still got Dan Perkins with us. And Dan, go go ahead and uh, first of all, what is the constitutional amendment that abolished slavery in this country? The Thirteenth Amendment. I just said that. And what does the and what does the and what does the Thirteenth Amendment say? The Thirteenth Amendment says, basically, to paraphrase, slavery shall be. Uh, abolished except for crimes committed, right? So the fact that uh, um, that there was an exception for criminality written into the amendment abolishing slavery is what gave rise to the convict leasing program in the South. So when the thir when slavery was abolished by the Thirteenth Amendment, it was replaced immediately by the convict leasing system in this country. That's how U.S. Steel made so much money by using co black convict slave labor in the South to to in their steel mills. And if you you don't have to believe what I say, read Douglas Blackman's book, Slavery by Another Name. Now, after slavery was abolished in this country, 
after the 14th Amendment was passed in this country, we wound up with what? Jim Crow laws. Every time the United States has taken a step legislatively to try to rectify its horrific racist past, there is backlash in this country by white people and to the detriment of African Americans. Many would tell you that the election of Donald Trump is white backlash to the election of Barack Obama. No, I think the election of Donald Trump was, you're right, partially. There was a backlash. There's a backlash because regardless of being a black man, he was a terrible president. He couldn't make decisions. And and the people voted and said, if, if Hillary is going to continue the same policies of ineffective government, we don't want him. And we don't want her. And so... Well, the, was, uh, was, was George Bush a horrible president? Could, could George Bush make decisions? Because Barack Obama made a lot of the same decisions and a lot of the same stuff and followed the same playbook as George Bush. The difference is Mitch McConnell couldn't stomach the fact that there was a black man in the White House. The Affordable Care Act, where did the Affordable Care Act come from? The Affordable Care Act came from the Heritage Foundation. The Affordable Care Act is Romney Care rewritten for the entire country. The only problem and the reason why the reason why Frank Luntz and 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 these other spokespeople for the Republican Party labeled it Obamacare wasn't because the legislation was bad. They just couldn't they just couldn't stomach the fact that it was a black man that got it passed. So you and that's and that's why when now a lot of these Republican uh, senators and congressmen are going back to their districts, they're getting pilloried by their uh, white constituents because all of a sudden their health care is. Why? And so that and so that's that's the joke. The only thing, the only problem I have with Obamacare is not the care; it's Obama. But the Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act is not affordable, and the people who are most adversely affected by the inability to get insurance to pay for it are black people. And it was the Democratic Party. Where do you get your numbers from? Do you have any data to support that ridiculous statement? Do you have any data to support that? I look at what's happened to the cost of... I'll take that. Since you're not giving me any data, I'll take that as a no. You don't have any data to support that statement. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's an inappropriate assumption because you didn't ask me where I was calling from. I would, if you would have asked me that, do you have access? I just did. I said. I just said. Do you have any data to support the statement? You didn't ask me if I had access to any of my data. If you had asked me, where are you calling from, and I would have told you in my car, no, I don't carry the data in my car. Had I been on the phone on with my computer access and my historical files, I would be in a better position to answer your question. But because I can't answer your question because I don't have the data in front of me and it's not in my brain, 
doesn't mean I don't have any data. And for you to assume that I'm lying because I don't have the data, you're not understanding the environment in which I was asked to participate in the call. I didn't say you were lying because you didn't have any data. I didn't say that. You said I, I said didn't know the data. I had no facts. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean you I didn't say you were a liar. I just said that, that I must take the fact that you can't recite me any data as a, as a no. That's what I said. And, I, and I'm, saying, I'm saying that is an, an equally okay. bad assumption to assume okay. that all of the problems are racist. Hillary all Clinton the problems. Hillary, Hillary Clinton said if you vote for Donald Trump, you are a racist. And Hillary she was wrong. Clinton, Hillary Clinton said so that... So take that up with Hillary Clinton. She was the standard bearer. She was wrong. The Democratic Party. She wasn't? You, once again, once again, you're taking this back, trying to make it a binary Republican-Democratic conversation. I never took it there. I didn't I'm take talking, it there. I, but I, I took, I'm taking it there because... Oh, okay. Okay, then that's fine. Okay. Because I believe that because a person may be a conservative, you have branded them as being racist. And I'm saying... I have not. I have done no such thing. I have run the tape. I have not said that. And I would appreciate it if you could focus and stay in tune to what I'm saying and stop making these ridiculous references or inferences so that you can feel comfortable in supporting your ridiculous premise. I did not say that. Did you not say that this started probably with Barry Goldwater? I said that the, that the election of Donald Trump is a culmination of the development of Radical conservative thought in this country, starting with Barry Goldwater. I said that. Did he win? Did who win? Barry Goldwater. No. But that's where, the, that's where it started. That's where it started. I said, starting with Barry Goldwater. And that's where it, that's where modern, if you, that's where, according to a lot of the literature, modern conservatism grew out of the speeches and the writings and the politics of Barry Goldwater. Modern yeah. conservatism. Okay, so then are you, by the same token, are you also, would you consider the possibility of the accuracy of a statement said that the modern civil rights movement began with Martin Luther King? The modern, the modern civil rights movement uh, grew out of the Montgomery bus boycott. Yeah, I agree with that. So the, the, the civil rights movement, which it was a reaction to uh, separate but equal and all those things that were happening, not only in the North but in the South, the, the beginning of, you could talk about Selma, the rich in Selma, you could talk about a lot of different things. But... Mm -hmm. For all intents and purposes, the leader of the of the modern civil rights movement is Martin Luther King, and he talked about, as I said earlier in his "I Have a Dream" speech, he talked about his goals, his wishes, and what he was hopeful for for his people <laughs> coming forward. You don't agree he did that? 
Well, uh, oh, the, 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 you, the chuckle you got from me was because I, I love it when conservatives use the I have a dream speech because they always go to the end of the speech and they ignore the beginning of the speech. What was the beginning of the speech about? The beginning of the speech was an indictment of America. Remember the, remember the, the, the check that was cashed and came back marked insufficient funds? Right. That was the be, that was the be, and what was he talking about? America, because of its racist history, not living up to its full potential as a country. So I love it when conservatives pull out that speech because they love to go to, I, 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 in fact, why was the speech called I Have a Dream? Why did Dr. King have to have the dream in the first place? He had to have the dream in the first place because our reality was and continues to be a horrific nightmare. That's why he had to have the dream. Uh, and I, I don't disagree with that, I, I, but I want to ask you a question. If If... If in the beginning of the speech, he would go back to the speech, uh, uh, um, time to break silence, why I oppose the war in Vietnam, and he would talk about militarism, capitalism, and racism, and he would say that the money that could have and should have been spent in bringing equality in this country has been uh, used, as he said, like some demonic uh, suction tube and sucked out of this country and gone into the military-industrial complex, which uh, pr- uh, President Dwight Eisenhower warned us against. Yeah, but but that's you're what he was but, but saying. Well, uh, possibly, but but I think that there is another another part of that that you're not recognizing, and that is okay. yes, we spent money, we spent money. In Vietnam, we spent money in, in Afghanistan and Iraq and, and all this stuff. And I said to you that under the uh, uh, under the Johnson law, this country in 50 years has spent spent 22 trillion dollars on the war in poverty, in addition to the money that we spent on the wars, whether you like the wars or not. But we spent more money in 50 years on the war in poverty than we spent in all of the history of this country on war, on the cost of war. And what I'm saying is that we spent $22 trillion, and I believe that if Dr. King was here, by the way, I, was, I am one of those white people who worked in the civil rights movement in the 70s um, in, in desegregating the Columbus public schools. But I, I think Dr. King would be very disappointed that $22 trillion of a check was given to his people, and he would seriously question, what did my people get for the $22 trillion? And I would say to you that you are funda- your premise is fundamentally flawed because the check or no portion of the check was, quote-unquote, given to his people. Which, and, and he would say, because, and I know he would say it, because he did say it, that uh, that the that that the, that the war on poverty programs were never designed to deal with the fundamental systemic issues that were causing poverty in this country. Have you read the book 
Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community, written by Dr. King. That was the last book he published before he was assassinated. Where right. in it he says a number where in it he says a number of things, such as the white liberal has more in common with the members of the Klan than it does with black people. Why? Because the white community in this country has never been focused on freedom. That they have they have that, that white liberals have mourned the lash that the African-American has been subjected to. They have mourned the oppression that African-Americans have been subjected to, but they have never been fully vested in freedom for black people in this country. That's Dr. King, sir. I That's where do we go from here, chaos or community. I'm not making that up. I'm, I'm not saying you are, but what I'm saying is what you're ignoring is that Dr. King was not around to see the trillions of dollars that were spent supposedly on his people. He was gone. It wasn't there. And so what I'm, I'm wondering, why has the, if the black community, you're saying, if, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that the black community did not reap any benefits from the $22 trillion that was spent over the last 50 years. I have not said that. I would never say something as, uh, as, uh, as broad-brushed as that. I would never use the word any because as soon as I do and someone provides one example to contradict that, then I'm wrong. I didn't say that, that there has not been any progress. There has been progress but it hasn't been nearly uh as 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 great of, of of progress as there could or should be because again the most of the efforts at eradicating poverty in this country whether it's whether it's been uh uh the the, the building of uh, of projects in this country to to house uh the impoverished uh they have the benefits of those programs more times than not have not gone to the structural problems to resolve the issues. A lot of people got paid, a lot of people made a lot of money. Most of those people were not black people. When you look at the administrative costs of a lot of these programs, when you look at the overhead of a lot of these programs, when you look at who ran a lot of these programs, it wasn't black people in this country. It was white people. So if we, if we roll forward to another program that was designed to put people back to work, the, quote, shovel-ready jobs for $870 billion, and it never happened, you just defined exactly where we figured out where the money went. It went to people's salaries. It went to administrators. It went to union people. It was squandered and never really benefited people. And it, am I, again, am I correct? Are you saying that much of the $22 trillion that was spent in that 50-year period, most of it, some of it, a lot of it, not much of it, made its way into the black community to improve the quality of life of black people in this country? Uh, because I don't have the data for those programs in front of me, I will just simply say too much of it did not. 
and 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 it was. And, and in fact, let me give you let me give you one simple example. When you look at the Black Panther Party for self defense, and you look at and you look at their preschool program, you look at their after school program, you look at their breakfast program, you look at their health care program. Those programs were designed in the community. They were designed by the community. They were designed for the community, and they were run by the community. And what happened to those programs? They got shut down by the government. Why? On the health care side, because, because physicians in this country and the government did not want to see black people getting free health care in this country. That's how, the pro- that's how the program got shut down in, in Harlem, New York. Okay. Now, I, now, the government copied the, uh, the pre- and after-school program. That's how we got the Head Start program in this country. The Head Start right. program in this country was started by the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. That okay. that is one of that is one example of a program that has done a lot of good for a lot of people in this country. And what does Donald Trump want to do? Wants to and, and starting with Ronald, starting from Ronald Reagan forward, what what have conservatives been wanting to do and doing? Cutting, cutting, cutting programs such as Head Start. Okay, we, we only have a few minutes left, and there's one area that I would like to have a little bit of dialogue with you. Sure. I would, be, I would be very interested in your perspective as a black man, a, a person who I believe is a, has a passion for his black activism. Uh, I, I was on the Central Ohio Civil Rights Council, which brought okay. the class action suit against the Columbus Board of Education. This desegregate okay. the Columbus Public Schools. And what year it was, was that? A, uh, probably in 1976. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm an old guy, so um, and I, okay. I got invo- I got involved in it because uh, I believe that my faith told me that I had to get involved because it was an important issue, and the tension in our town as the trial was taking place was unbelievable, and. I worked with major news media to try and keep the tension down. Mm-hmm. So finally, the, finally the, the court decided and said that the school system had to be segregated, uh, unsegregated, and they had to put in a busing program, and the court had to approve it, and all those things that we all went through right. in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Okay? Okay. Now, I, uh-huh. I want to roll, roll forward to 2017. Okay, and I have I want I want to find out from a, uh, an intelligent, educated black person why are there more and more education of higher learning where the black students want to be segregated not only in dorms, classes, and cafeterias away from the rest of the people in the college? What is happening that the black people are asking for? segregation again and you tell me what did i fight for 50 years ago if the black community well, let's start with, we okay. Don't want it. okay okay wait a minute let's 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 start let's start with i mean you you've asked a very complex question uh that has i think that has a number of uh of, of socioeconomic elements that contribute to it 
but and not and not knowing the history of what happened in Ohio, but I do have some broader understanding of what happened with busing and education in the seventies. And the busing the busing idea, first of all, was a was a bad idea because again, it did not get to the root cause of the problem of educational failure in the country. Instead of busing black children from their homes 15, 20, 30, 45, 50-minute bus rides away from their homes, what, you, what they should have done was invested in the schools in those neighborhoods to, be sure, to, to ensure that the uh, 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 assets and the, and the tools in the schools in the black neighborhoods were the same, and if not better, than the, than the, than the tools and the, and, and the equipment in the white neighborhoods. Right. Now, now. Another problem that we have seen with uh, housing programs, with, with, with education programs, is not only black people doing this, but white people doing this as well. The, a big problem with resegregation in this country has to do with housing patterns and the fact that people just seem to naturally gravitate to live around people that look like them. And that's not a racist, uh, uh, I, birds of a feather do seem to flock together. Now, now um, but, but, but one of the big problems that we have is when people of other ethnicities do want to move into other neighborhoods, tensions do arise. We still find that there's redlining by banks so that black people wanting to move into some white neighborhoods will, at least the banks, will try to charge them a higher interest rate because of redlining uh, that is still being done by banks. But now to your question about, about black students in, uh, I think you were referring to majority white um, uh, uh, colleges and universities, no, I'm talking. I'm talking specifically about many of the public universities in California and in Connecticut and New York, which are racially diverse colleges. But the, the but the black students have decided that they want to have segregated dorms, classes, and meals. Well, I'd have to look at the literature that is addressing those particular um, requests, but I, I will say to you, if you just look at the sheer numbers and the percentages of African Americans that are, that are and I, I'm, I'm originally from California, African Americans that are in the University of California system or are in the California state system, and you, uh, you look at the percentages of those students compared to students that are of other ethnicities, they are uh, still very, very small numbers. So in terms of, of, again, birds of a feather want to flock together. And they want to coalesce around their commonalities, their common interests for support and encouragement because what we find in a lot of those institutions, they are, you, you use the term uh, integrated, which they are uh, by number, but when but but they are not necessarily the most welcoming 
uh, institutions, and I say this having gone to the University of California Davis School of Law and know that I was approached by the dean of the school and asked one day, are you really comfortable here? Are you sure this is really the place for you? Dean, what do you mean? Why are you asking me that? Well, I, I just want to be sure that you're comfortable. Why would not be comfortable? What's giving me the idea that I'm not comfortable? Just want to be sure you're comfortable. And I know where that question came from. I know where that question came from. How long ago was that question? Uh, that was that was 1982. Right. But we're we're talking. I mean, we're we're talking. I'm talking about today, 2017. I, I'm the times to have changed, but the ideologies have not. But what I'm what I'm trying to understand, Doctor, is that um, this is spreading across the country. It started about Thanks to Donald year, Trump. No, it started about a year ago. <laughs> Thanks and to Donald it, Trump. It, he wasn't. He wasn't even running a year ago. I mean, what, what do you mean? Yeah, he was. How is it? Thanks to Donald Trump. When we look at the, when we look at the when we. We can tie we can we can tie the rise in uh, in hate crimes 